0: Today, we bring you a story of broken humans. Today, we bring you Marrow by Tricia Wolf and Bryn Weaver. Please be advised that Marrow is a dark romance with potentially troubling scenes and themes that some readers might find triggering.
1: Potentially triggering content, graphic physical violence, torture, and murder,
0: decaying and dismembered bodies,
1: explicit language.
0: Death of a sick or injured wild animal,
1: parental death, loss of close family members,
0: parental neglect and physical abuse,
1: chronic illness of a loved one,
0: untreated PTSD, including flashbacks,
1: medical procedures and bodily trauma slash hospital settings,
0: one sex scene between FMC and another man before the FMC and MMC interact with one another on page. There's no cheating.
1: Explicit, detailed sexual content. The sexual activity is consensual, though. Some consensual, non-consensual CNC activities are depicted. It includes some kinks and behaviors that some readers might find triggering, including breath play, temperature play, impact play, somnophilia, and rough sex. Just as a forewarning, there was a scene where they literally fuck next to a dead body with a shit ton of blood in the blood.
0: Well, this could go one of two ways. This could go, I am just like a dead-ass monster, or I'm going to overcompensate in the most awful way, and this can go off the rails. (laughs) I don't know how it's going to go yet. We'll have to see where that takes us. So I am hoping that you've came pretty recently from our most recent episode, Ghost, and then have came to this one. I mean in the sequence. Mario really
1: hopes that you came. I mean, I also
0: (laughs) hope that for you. Fun times. But I say that because I feel like this was accidentally such a great segue because if you recently listened to Ghost, well spoiler alert, so if you haven't listened to that one yet, go Go back to it. it, Because I'm about to spoiler. It ends up we find out that our main female character is a reaper. And I just find that it's so lovely connected this week that it just so happens that our main male character of this book calls our female main character Little Little Reaper. Reaper. And I just thought that was such a nice little connection that it kind of brought us full circle this week. Mm -hmm. And it was a great way to end our October vibes. Yeah, because
1: this is our final october episode today
0: we are reading a story of broken humans well today we already read
1: this story so
0: today we bring you a story (laughs) of broken humans today we bring you marrow by trisha wolf and bryn weaver this is a serial killer romance if that is your vibe congratulations you're our new friends carry on dude for the third episode in a row
1: check her basement please for the love of this book
0: is fucking fabulous oh it was fantastic had me oh my goodness three chapters in and i was fucking feral for it let me just tell you honestly join our ride it's fantastic come on let's go get in loser we're going shopping
1: it's so funny, too, because I read Bren Weaver's other book, The Butcher and Blackbird, and I loved that book. And that's, again, two serial killers. So good. And then I went to go read this one and I was like, I'm not allowed to read this one because it's on our wheel. And then I'm really glad. And I love this book because I loved the other book. Like, it was fantastic. And this I one really was like Tricia Wolfe. So. so there we go. We got two worlds coming together, baby. It's like our friendship. One of us mm. is pr- a probable serial killer and the other one's wearing Disney ears. I'll leave you to Mara. figure out what it is, especially if you're listening to this and literally not watching the- <laughs> so, um, this book. Marrow um.
0: by Trisha Wolf and Bryn Weaver. The dedication was to anyone who dreamt of someone who would burn the world for them, who loved the villain, who rooted for the dark souls in their fairy tales. We hope Jack and Carrie ignite your beautiful black hearts.
1: And it was I was here for it. I also highlighted the dedication because I loved it so much. So
0: marrow features Dr. Kiri Roth and Dr. Jack Sorensen. Shocker, they're both serial killers.
1: For different reasons. But that's okay. They're I still cool. It.
0: Our book opens at an award ceremony and Dr. Kiri Roth is being presented for the Brentwood Award for Philanthropy in Education. And Dr. Jack Sorensen is supposed to be presenting her with this award. He is kind of like the advisee on the team for the university. And Kiri has been the person spearheading finding grants and research money and finding facilities and expanding the body farm. She has brought this university from like a one to two acre body farm farm all the way up to like a 50 acre body farm. They are now the third largest body farm in the United States. So she's getting this award for all of her amazingness and he is supposed to be presenting it to her, but he's such an arrogant little prick that he couldn't even be bothered to show up to do this. So Dr. Cannon, their boss, has stepped in to do that for her. And she's not happy. She says, By the time we're standing at the gates of damnation, Jack Sorensen will beg me to throw him to the devil. I will paint our path to hell with his blood, with his dreams, his aspirations, his failures, each one rendered by my hand. I will leave a trail of his destruction behind us that will shine for all eternity, and I will enjoy every fucking second of his torturous journey. And I was just basically like, you sound a little bit angry, dear. This might be (laughs) a little bit more than just this one moment. But this is all we have so far. Yeah. And then she sees that he's actually there. It was a choice. And he's just lingering in the background.
1: And she's so And she is super petty spaghetti. (laughs) She's like,
0: I will destroy him. So... She notices another colleague of hers being a little cagey, nervously watching Jack. And she totally zeroes in on that and decides to utilize that to her advantage. And she goes home with that colleague to open him up a little bit. And they get it on and she loosens him up so that they can have some pillow talk. And he gets her way, and he explains to her that there have been some discrepancies with a couple of the bodies that have come in. That one of them is missing their hyoid, and there was another one that was, like, mislabeled or something like that. And him and this other guy, Mason, who found the discrepancies, thinks that it is at the hands of Jack,
1: And Josh is, like, supposed to be this huge, big doctor who never, ever makes mistakes. So, like, Mm -hmm. having these discrepancies is such a huge deal. And I think they were planning on bringing it up to people as well because, you know, obviously.
0: Right. But when there have been mistakes prior at this place, it's always been the interns that were the ones at fault. So, people like Mason who brought it up, it would have been his error, not actually a mistake or whatnot. So... Who knows how that would have panned out? But it <laughs> knows it shows us that she knows exactly who Jack is, and she knows that he is a serial killer, and he prefers to strangle people. And she's really glad that she got this information because you know sometimes the universe gives you exactly what you need. And I'm not the kind of girl to just take what it has to offer. I'm the one to seize it. And so she drugs poor Brad, her coworker, worker and uh, makes sure that he is snoozing away after their um, time together. And she takes off. And she goes to work. Literally, of course, to the dead body farm. It's
1: just, it's just so just... funny to me because she's such a planner, but she's also so fucking reckless at the same time. And it's just, it's so funny because she is more motivated by like, yeah, she's so motivated by her emotions and like her feelings and stuff. And like a lot of this of her wanting to take down Jack is because she got snubbed by him. Oh, I'm living for it. It's so funny. Oh, I love it. Are you kidding? It's so funny because you know what? It sounds like something exactly like if we were in that mindset, something we would do.
0: This is it's fantastic. Like I am just We're showing our true is...
1: colors here on four days before Halloween.
0: <laughs> so we get Jack's point of view and we see him utilizing his sketchbook. Now he we learn sketches his victims before he victimizes them. And he's working on this victim that he's been watching for a little while, Colby.
1: And well, he doesn't it, just draw the victims, he draws the insides of his victims with their bones.
0: Yeah, well, he Here's a thing about bones. bones. Obsessed of course. with bones. I mean, look you at know his, what it's giving? his doctorate.
1: The, it's giving Cole from There Are No Saints with the bone sculpture. Not really, because I think that this is a better serial killer than Cole. I like this one so, better.
0: Sorry. Yeah. So he's supposed to be going after Colby tonight because he's been getting ready and getting ready. But he sees... Brad looking at him the way he's looking at him and he sees Kiri go off with him and he just can't he can't shake it and he decides that it's more worthwhile to follow them instead and he follows them back to Brad's house and he sees Kiri go inside with him and not come out he does not like it in fact he sits out there and waits for like a couple hours and she still doesn't come out and the lights have all gone out and everything and he sneaks in and sees that Brad is sleeping alone.
1: His people just fucking so, breaking into people's houses. It's so funny.
0: <laughs> I just, I find it so funny because he's so worried about Brad spilling his secrets to Curie because he's like, people have an irritating tendency to share details and secrets when sex is involved. And, he's like, and I'm just kind of like, yeah, Curie's
1: taking care of that. Yeah. She's got you. Like, she's, she's, I don't she's think, on it. But I don't think don't he worry. realizes, like, why she would be getting that information like obviously at this point he doesn't know what she's about and so like he's concerned because he knows like something's up with like he has no
0: idea he doesn't have no idea who kiri is unlike kiri kiri knows everything about jack and exactly who jack is but jack knows nothing about truly what curious capable of and he showcases that regularly in the beginning of the book he even says like it would be asinine to blame dr roth for this it's not as if she would purposefully set out to destroy me silly boy always underestimating a woman and he just he has no idea where she looks at him and was expecting him to sense like seeing like and same seeing same he was not able to do that. He is such that analytical one, serial killer mind.
1: I mean, that he he's just, just he like wasn't a able path, to. So like he is,
0: and he wasn't able to sense that about her and see past her facade because she is such a great masker, and was not able to see that. So he breaks into Brad's house and sees that she's gone, and he heads into work, right. and he wants to look into. Brad's desk. He wants to look into how much information they truly have on him. And there's somebody out in the body farm, and somebody's digging out there. And he's like, what the fuck? So he goes out there. It's Carrie digging.
1: So he is so unhinged, and I love it so much.
0: Carrie's having a fabulous time digging out there. And she starts just chanting random words at him um, and at this point he's looking at her like she's fucking crazy and that's when she's just like it's a geocoding system every three meter section of the globe is assigned its own unique three-word code this is splits over barons and then she goes on and lists like three other of the random names and is like and this is where you buried your last body And the body before that. And this is the one where the body is buried that's missing the high word or whatever that was incorrectly whatever. And oh my goodness, she is like going on. And he's kind of basically like, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? And she has the bag and she's like, oh, are you worried I took someone important to you? and." So this whole section is just
1: so funny it's just so fabulous
0: she rolls out the head of the body that she has stashed away and it's mason and he's like you killed mason dumont and she goes no you
1: killed mason dumont and she walks around showing him. And it's like, just so funny because she's like, Your beards are too big for me. And I had to wear like six pairs of socks to get these to fit in here. They're still too and big. Then, and then, actually, and she pulls out her
0: vest to show him the weights. And she's like, You're 100, and you've got to be what, like 190 pounds? Like, and she's, meanwhile, as she's throwing in Mason's body parts and waving his arms at him oh and like God. having a grand old time and she's like don't worry I made sure to strut here all important serial killer man style so that the diligent detectives of Westview will know that it was you if you decide to do anything stupid I'm so important I can't say a fucking thank you to the one person who's given me everything I could want like research money, facilities and this big ass farm for dead bodies galore no now watch out forest creatures important serial killer man man coming through it's so funny because <laughs> she's basically so like hell half no <laughs> dude
1: it's just so funny because she was so pissed because of the he was supposed to present her the award and exactly. he wasn't there and like so the one person award. she wanted to say thank you to her was him because this whole time he's been trying to get her out of this thing by like saying she's not qualified the whole list of things of what she doesn't have and like he's been trying to get her out and so she's really pissed about it and so like when she saw him at the thing, obviously, like she thanked everybody except for him at the thing. And mm-hmm. she's like, This is bullshit. And it's just so funny because it's Pape not saying thank but to him. him. He just thinks it's
0: just this little thing, like, mm-hmm. dude, this is just because I didn't show up to the award. And he's like, A woman's revenge knows no bounds. Like, what on earth? And then she goes on to explain to him, No, like, yes, absolutely, I deserve, but this is more than that I want you to tell me about how we met
1: and we don't even know how they met
0: either right and we get that story from him and he's telling the story and we get the story in his point of view of when like she came to the university and to her in that moment even she remembers wanting that connection that feeling of wanting him to see that like seeing like and since that didn't happen it was such a snub and it was basically a slap to the face she wanted that recognition of likeness a connection with someone like
1: me but then after he tells the story she goes that's not how we met that's not the first time we met And And he's confused now. (laughs) I'm confused
0: because I'm like, wait, what? What is going on? He's he's confused for about 0.2 seconds as she injects him and tases him and knocks him the fuck out (laughs) and then stands over him and basically leaves him in the dark. Right where he's
1: always been. And then steals his lighter. Yep. Yep and but and then as he's under he starts getting a flashback i really enjoyed that i like how they threw these little like italicized things in there Mm -hmm. to learn a lot of their backstory and stuff but it it is so funny because then after he's remembering him being outside in the cold and we learn more about the story way later on but it's little bits and pieces of his backstory in there but then he wakes up and he goes she tased taste me and because he's i know i've been drugged because he can taste it he's like i know the second i opened my eyes i was drugged the flashback shows how
0: important that lighter was
1: to him that she
0: took and yeah shows us how much more we need to learn about him but yeah
1: yeah and then of course like in his head he hears her saying that wasn't the first time we met and it was such like a bitter tone that she said it but he glances around, and then the dismembered one, Kiri removed from a bag and tossed into around the creek, the stream. The woman doesn't want me dead, but she does want something. And directly in front of me, the shovel is stabbed into the silty earth. Right now, it's clear she wants me to dig. And it's just so yep. funny because of how she leaves him. Because he doesn't understand. No. Crazy.
0: He? And he's just woken up in the middle of nowhere with this sh- shovel, and the obvious instructions that he is to bury the half of body that she has left
1: because she took half the body with her and he's like it's clear that she didn't want me to actually get caught with a mutilated body regardless of how the scene she painted but because she only fucking left half of it there so it's just so funny it's just it's great i love it and we learn why
0: the hyoid bone is so important to him that's the only bone in the body that's not connected to other bones it just is like a free-floating bone connected just to like cartilage and tissue and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it intrigues him so much. So he is literally obsessed with it. And uh, he sends her flowers. And this man. they are special flowers that he has grown in his house and bred to the exact shade of her eyes. And tied with a bow made from Mason's clothes.
1: And- when they were describing the color of these flowers, I was like, oh, it's cool. It's this awesome shade of blue. They would just talk about the blue shade. And then they, like, go into he literally bred these to match her exact blue. And I'm like, in the fucked up way, I was like, that's so cute and romantic, though. <laughs> this fish flowers to match her eyes.
0: So they then verbally spar over this whole thing and... You know, they talk about how she has le- kept that other half of the body as kind of leverage. And we learn that he has recorded that whole confrontation from the night before as leverage. And then they argue over territory and that basically a serial killer's common decency is to just not, not encroach be in the on same another territory Yeah. Right? yeah and the seat. last time someone encroached on his territory he took care of it mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to have to do that to her so she needs to pack up and move out kind of deal so they make a deal they recognize that brad has become a problem so they make a deal that whoever can make brad leave like, completely leave and leave the fastest will be the one to win the territory, and then the body and the recording will be relinquished.
1: And they will win the Thunderdome.
0: So, so fucking
1: funny. I mm. like the fact that they called it that. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I love it. So it was much- an amusing book. It was, I was amused yeah. by most of
0: it. It definitely brought in a little bit of a lighthearted to like heavy subjects.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of heavy in the book mixed within the light-hearted funny shit it's also a book about serial killers but there's
0: that. right but i mean it was entertaining and i was totally digging kiri and her hell hath no fury they're having their verbal spar and they make this deal and then all of a sudden um dr cannon arrives pretty somber and calls everyone into a work meeting so they go into this meeting and they find out that oh no mason one of their interns has been declared missing and it turns out he's officially missing as of this morning but it turns out nobody has seen him in days and days oh no and everyone shocked and concerned and um kiri won't make eye contact with jack and it's kind of irritating jack but she's playing it up good kiri is really good at the facade she has this like bubbly outer everybody's favorite human mask then he introduces someone else to Mm -hmm. the meeting that is when Kiri Kiri looks to Jack
1: Jack's eyes at this point
0: and basically actually looks concerned
1: yeah because she is purposely avoiding this person's eyes so that's why she's actually looking at him because now she's fucking actively avoiding this other guy and his name is special agent eric hayes of the violent crimes division with the fbi fbi and
0: they assume that mason has contacted agent hayes about the discrepancies and that's how he has gotten here because why else would the fbi be here on the first day before it's even been made public that this random dude has disappeared
1: yeah and jack makes it very clear too that he knows that brad's not the one who let the fbi know because brad looks visibly shaken and that he is more scared of jack Jack. than he is of anything else so that's how they kind of knew that it would have been mason that would have said something to the fbi Mm -hmm. because there's no way in hell that brad was going to do that shit because brad knows who jack is and what jack does and he is terrified of jack so they have a little mini meeting
0: and determine that agent hayes is more important than brad to get rid of And they switch tactics and they decide that they need to get rid of Agent Hayes faster than Brad. And the new target for Thunderdome is Agent Hayes versus Brad. I find it amusing Jack watching Kiri now that he has realized, like, her underneath shell.
1: Mm.
0: Because him watching her mask, he's just so impressed by it. Uh. Like, he says Kiri's ability to mask her express and blend into any environment is admittedly impressive. I should have realized this trait beforehand. So many tiny tales are coming to light as I study her now. And I realize that she's even masked herself from me. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's great to see him realize. And so then we switch lanes here for a minute. And Kiri shows us what a deranged bad bitch she is once again. And I'm just here gobbling it the fuck up because it's just truly fantastic. So she has somebody trapped, captive and at first I'm not going to lie, at first I was like, does she have Mason in her basement and she somehow tricked Jack into thinking thinking that they buried Mason without it actually being Mason? Really? I thought that for about two lines. Oh, It's not Mason. Mason is actually dead. Because my next one was like, you fucking idiot. You are sick. <laughs> me, so. me the fucking idiot. Yes, yeah, that is yeah. true. I read this while I was very sick. So, no. He has Jack's target in her basement. It's fan-fucking-tastic. Mm. Colby Cameron frat boy pussy slayer extraordinaire the candy man
1: yeah and this is where we kind of learn um, what she targets basically with Mm -hmm. her murdering of the humans and And a little bit why yes and it's a lot of if any man who's like drugging people um mm-hmm. like slipping shit into people's drinks and she's clocking that shit and like she watches these people all the time she's also so fucking deranged when she kills these people
0: <laughs> oh, God. so unhinged it's so and great it's, it's so funny fabulous and she is toying with this guy mm-hmm. so hard and she's just like you know jack was gonna kill you but i have you here captive instead you know jack's the wolf but I'm the Lynx. She has this whole little. I love like, the fact that she called unhinged. herself a Lynx. Oh, it's fabulous. Fabulous. She's going through her monologue with the Candyman. And we get a little bit of an insight of, you know, how much she admired Jack and how much she wanted to be like him and be with him. But him snubbing her has just turned that affection for him into rage and just this desire to make him suffer at all times and she turns that to the handyman and asks him have you ever heard of the silent slayer then we learn who the silent slayer is and she explains to him that she was the sole survivor of the silent slayer she says I was young 17 I didn't know there was a serial killer hunting girls like me And, you know, he drugged me, he entered my home, he sunk his blades between my bones as my parents lay dying right before my eyes. And we just kind of basically learn her backstory a little bit, not fully of how she might have became the way she became.
1: Yeah, and this is where she really starts to lay into the, you know, how everyone fears the wolf, but do you know what the wolf fears in the kingdom in the wild? A lynx. And that's when she starts comparing the lynx and the wolf and everything.
0: She's basically saying, yeah, Jack's a predator, but like, I'm smarter than him and I will Mm -hmm. take him down. During
1: this whole time too, she's taking the toenails off of the leg in the freezer. (laughs) And because she's not killing Colby.
0: Colby at this moment, she's she's,
1: currently just like taking stuff off of the leg
0: while she's while, while she's, she's interrogating Colby and she's she- having a conversation with him yeah she's dissecting pieces of Mason correct so what well, she she has his leg out correct. there and she takes these tweezers and she's pulling one toenail at a time off and putting it into a little baggie and she puts the baggie away inside her vest for safekeeping <laughs> and we don't quite know right away what's going
1: to happen with yeah. that And like Colby's fucking crying and he's throwing up. And she goes, Clean up your vomit. There are towels in the rubber container. I have my own messes to attend to. And it's just, it's so funny. And she just like leaves. They leave my little den. When I arrive at the second door, I pick up my rifle from where it leans against the wall and key in the code to open the lock, entering the hidden cellar of my off grid hunting cabin. This is where I like how she, we get little pieces of her dad's stuff where he's like, you need to remember hunting is not a sport and a sport both sides know that they're in the game, which does come up later on in the book, which was I liked that tie back. but she's you know talking about how this isn't even a hunt anymore. It's not a sport. it's a reckoning. And then she kind of goes into like how Jack was a person that she had emulated and she went into her studies and slammed herself doing everything and making sure she got her degrees as quick as possible. and then she turned her hunting skills because her dad was a hunter so she turned those hunting skills onto men who deserved you can't go around drugging and raping women that's not okay and then when she finally you know went to West Payne so that she could create a safe haven for her and Jack Jack rejected her which did not make her very happy so she decided that instead she was just going to make him suffer so
0: she grabs her rifle and leaves her house and goes back to work at the university because she joins the search party for Mason because Mm -hmm. her coworkers are searching the grounds. I mean, it's 50 acres. They're searching the grounds for any trace of Mason just in case. So she's joining the search party, but she was alerted by her boss, Dr. Cannon that they had to stall out the search party because there was a rabid coyote spotted. And so it's kind of her responsibility as the wildlife person and she kind of knows exactly which one it is she's been watching this for a few days unfortunately it is her favorite coyote she's named Mm -hmm. this coyote sunny bunny and there has been incidents locally in the area and she thought she did her best by putting antidote in the area but unfortunately sunny bunny was not able to um, get that so it is time to take her out and it's kind of sad though jack is there and he's impressed in her ability to take out something that she loves though he's not as impressed as when he spends the next three days finding those toenails in his breakfast finds toenails in his yogurt find pesties in his tofu salad.
1: (laughs) She's like, you said to dispose of the body. Digestion is a fantastic form of disposal, Jack. So they, with
0: Agent Hayes on the case, Jack decides to set up Brad. And it's kind of funny because he not only decides to set up Brad, but he kind of decides to stick it to Kiri at the same time. Mm -hmm. So he wears Brad's clothes And makes sure that all the cameras can see and takes Kiri's target to Brad's house and murders him and sets it ablaze, successfully setting up Brad to take the fall. So that night, he has to have a good alibi. So he, of course, has to log in some hours at work. Kiri is also logging in some hours at work when she accidentally knocks her trophy that she won at the beginning onto the floor and it shatters Mm -hmm. and the shattered glass triggers her into a flashback and this is when we fully learn of her victimology with the silent slayer and how yeah and how he had her basically on the brink of death with her parents dead beside her bleeding out her Um,
1: mom was dead beside her her dad was on the other side and then he killed her dad in front of her so she was he
0: killed the mom in front of her too we just
1: yeah right but her mom was already dead in the flashback so he ends up torturing her with a knife first and telling her not to make a sound and they have that he has the camcorder going because he is recording all of this happening and so, you mm-hmm. know, the knife goes between the ribs. She's not making a sound and all this other stuff. But her dad is making noises through the gag. And then when he's done, he goes, <clears throat> you know, you were such a brave girl to stay quiet. Daddy, though, he was not such a good boy. And then he kills her dad in front of her with a hammer.
0: And we learned that she has all these triggers to induce flashbacks, like glass breaking, the red blinking lights, like from the camera, the smell of hospital Hammers, cream-colored carpet, all of these things induce flashbacks for her. And right before she succumbs to death in her flashback, somebody else arrives and garrots the silent slayer. Mm -hmm. And basically like, you're sloppy, an amateur, unworthy. This is my domain. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, yeah, I called that one. And so we know why she has been idolizing Jack this whole time because he essentially saved her life though he did not know he saved her life he thought she was dead on the floor so he walked away but his killing the silent slayer gave her that last breath of ability that last little oomph of adrenaline to be able to move her body enough to grab a phone and dial 911 and that's what saved her.
1: Then like she comes to cuz he's like saying her name and like mm-hmm. he's telling her you can let go cuz she's grasping the glass on the tile and everything and her hand is like completely cut up and he's like it's just a memory it's just a memory it's not real like he's trying to bring her kind of back to reality with something that is happening. And he's like telling her, he's like, "You need stitches," and she goes, "I literally, can't, like, I can't go to the hospital. I can't go to the hospital." And especially not right now
0: with this one so fresh, right?
1: And, and so he goes, "Okay, well, hold on." So this man does yep. make this like comment. He he's like, "Aren't you afraid?" Of- I'll sew it in my initials. And she goes, "I am now." Yeah, he not so only stitches funny. her up,
0: but he replaces her award. With a new one that is not made out of glass; it's made out of brass.
1: Yeah,
0: and it was just like.
1: Oh. And then he's like asking her if she's having dreams and he it's nightmares, and that's when she's like, "No, it's you know glass breaking, red blinking lights." She's going into the explanation of all this other stuff, and she thanks him for everything because you know they have this little. It's just this cute moment of like kind of bonding after this traumatic fucking shit she's going through, and it's cute. So.
0: Yeah, the ward's sitting on her desk the next work morning, so Monday morning when she walks in. And then they find out that Brad has, yes, been arrested. And it's a little bit of a moment for them. They're Mm -hmm. uh, a little happy about it, ecstatic about it. And they share a kiss, get a little hot and heavy for a minute, until he feels under her shirt. And he kind of, between her flashback And where her scars are placed. He just has that feeling. And he has a half realization that he has to confirm. So when he goes home, he goes through his his box of trophies. And he finds the camcorder from that night. And he plays the tape. And when he watches it, he has his realization confirmed that it was in fact her on the tape. And he just realizes that this girl, that yes, he's been trying to push away since she got to the university. But the reason why he's been pushing away is because he just had this strange connection, this strange, weird attraction to her and obsession with her eyes. And he didn't want to break her. And he knew that with the obsession that he had for her that he would break her and in his own weird sick twisted way was trying to protect her by pushing her away and it wouldn't work. And that the more he tried to push her away and it wouldn't work, the more he got mad about it and it just kept being this vicious cycle. But now he kind of is realizing like it's come this full circle and it's this whole thing. And so he comes to her and brings her his trophy of the the silent slayer's hyoid, and they hash out the hate with each other, and mm-hmm. they just talk through all of that, and they realize the and connection. He, and he that... also
1: gives him the name, like what his actual name is. He does tell right, that. right, because like, now she could put a name to the person.
0: They realized the Hayes connection Mm -hmm. and that agent Hayes was the one that uh, was initially on the silent slayer case when it all went down and was at the hospital um, when she came to and everything. And she kind of partially blames Hayes in a way because she realizes if there's a pattern, if there's a pattern enough that you know, Jack was able to follow it and whatnot, the FBI should have been able to have at least some kind of profile set up that they were looking and actively looking for these people. And they did. So it really was a, it feels like her parents should not not have died. And that it was at the hands of the FBI's fault.
1: And then this is where we also learn what her actual real name is. And that would be why he wasn't able to find some information on her anyways. But then he was kind of, this part was funny to me for no reason. This part was funny because he goes, he's like, why didn't you tell me? She says, that girl doesn't exist anymore. And he goes, well, why didn't you tell me? And she's like, tell you exactly what? No, how would I say? Oh, hello, Mr. Important Serial Killer Man. I've been stalking you for literally years, and you've never noticed. But you saved me from the silence layer. And by the way, I also enjoy killing people. Please, to meet you, we have so much in common. Want to hang out?
0: <laughs> I also loved the use of digmatize in this yeah. in this chapter. It's fantastic. Yeah, Dickmatize is a great word. Just wanna. Yeah. So they hash that out. They find themselves now on the same page. Though Jack will tell her explicitly, we are not on the same page, but we soon will be because uh, he plans to have her on her back on that page. And so they go about their business and do their thing. And then Kiri, after just figuring all that out, and Jack was kind of like, hmm, you should probably stay away from Hayes. H- Hayes shows up at Carrie's house yeah. as she's on her way back from walking her dog and her dog does not like Agent Hayes.
1: And he calls him a husky. He doesn't even know the brand the brand of dog that's not a Well, he does. One. He's just
0: trying to he's being a Make her talk.
1: Yeah. So much.
0: It's a weird, yeah. He always um, he me, she like, calls him a right woman. out on it. So, he basically says to her that he thinks that the silent slayer is still active and that he's in town and that he thinks that he was lured there by her.
1: But he also like starts kind of interrogating her about Jack. Like he does talk to her about Brad and, oh, did he ever raise concerns? You know, what did he do between this time and this time? Because he's kind of like trying to disprove the fact that Brad is this person who took care of Mason So he's trying to trip her up, basically. And then he goes, well, what about Dr. Sorensen? And and she's like, what the fuck about him? Well, you don't think highly of him. She's like, I think very highly of him. We just don't get along all the time. And so it's interesting. And obviously, like, she's giving him the alibis and everything. But I hate him so much.
0: So she's irritated by Hayes and decides to do something about it. So she finds the perfect victim that she thinks will maybe hopefully lure Hayes away a little bit. Mm-hmm. It is a relative of a Silent Slayer victim who also fits her criteria. So it's a win-win. And it's a little bit away, so it'll cause Hayes in theory to move a little bit away from them. And so she is hunting at this bar for the sky. But of course, Jack shows up see what's up and of course they team up and have their first double team hunting session so
1: funny i just their whole banter back and forth but yeah so they're at the thing and she's explaining that she met someone with the criteria it ends up being that this dude sebastian one thing that he likes more than a blonde with a low back dress is watching he sees a voyeur and so she's going to use jack to reel in her little They're fishy. Reel him in. So,
0: yeah. So with Jack there, it makes it very easy to get to this man to go with her. Mm -hmm. Because, oh, down for a good time. All go together. And he willingly goes with them. He's a dumbass horny man. (laughs) He is watching Jack basically go down on Kiri and, like, having a great time. Then they get to the part where he is going to actually fuck her but then the guy starts like giving instructions and like joining in with the commentary and they're both just so over it so then they kill him and then they just continue and uh, fuck in his dead blood next to his dead body Um, i did
1: highlight in here that i'm pretty sure Ariel was very thrilled the situation that was happening with Jack in so, this chapter that we learned. There are
0: pairs of studs trailing the length of the underside of his cough with a Prince Albert piercing at the head. And I was like, oh, hello.
1: As soon as I honestly highlighted that, because, yep. He was like,
0: condoms are going to be an issue for me. And I was like,
1: <laughs> he does start it out. He goes, I had a vasectomy. I've been tested. I'm clean. And then yeah, it's all the common things. And I was like, oh boy. Like, Arielle. well, they are
0: serial killers as they're rolling around in the blood.
1: They were like rolling around in the blood, and they're like, they're slashing around. I don't There's <laughs> a lot of blood. There was and she like picks up her like blood coated finger and licks it. And I'm like, absolutely. That not.
0: was a little bit too much. It was a little, me. yeah, they were was like, re- it were wasn't really like it was even it. each other's blood.
1: It no. was their victim's blood. And I was like, yeah. but Whatever. Again, they're serial killers to each their own. But then they're like, um, oh, the difficulty with body disposal when you're trying to not dispose of a body is location. So basically, they want to take this body to make it connected to the silence layer, essentially. They're trying
0: to lure Agent Hayes out of away. the area yeah. with the connection to the silence layer. And so Jack has to take the body and bring it further away to a better location that they had picked but has a mother in a home kind of nearby so he has an alibi that he chooses to visit her at that time
1: hearing about his mother was so sad because she knew from first moment that she saw jack that he was off and his dad also knew it and the more that his behavior disturbed his dad his father decided to just continue hitting the mother to the point that he caused her such a traumatic brain injury that now she was a vegetable for a few years. And then she kind of made like a slight recovery. But the night that the dad gave his mom the traumatic brain injury is the first kill that he ever did. So he killed his dad. I mean, all the hitting stopped and everything. So it was really sad. It it was nice to get that backstory of Jack and learning because every time you have those flashbacks of being in the winter in the woods and all this other and everything and Why so, he loves
0: the cold because and why he, he lured his the, father into the cold to spread him in the snow yeah
1: yeah and then so obviously like visiting his mother gives him that alibi but it was nice I wish we had I mean I guess we only get the one visiting his mother situation but mm-hmm. he does explain hey mom like the, and he shows her a picture like of a drawing he did of Carrie and is like this is the girl I'm seeing and it's so fucking sweet and sad at the same time because this woman you know can't for really an unfeeling
0: serial killer he has
1: some feelings
0: like a lot of feelings he really does I- I'm sure a lot of it's probably obsession but oh, for sure but great. and
1: he's like going on about like her and talking about Carrie and explaining like who she is and you know he's like I don't think I could do any of this without her and it's just it's so sad and you know he was even stating like the only thing that he could do for her was to give her a dead husband and a life insurance right. policy uh, yeah he kind uh, of understood. he killed
0: at 14
1: yeah um, and so he became a ward of and the state unlike carrie
0: i wasn't made i was born to take
1: lives right and it kind of explains why he doesn't see her that much because he goes i'm gonna have to leave here soon i just have one last decision and this is also he called to get his carpets replaced out of his so that they work because he knew he had cream
0: carpets yeah
1: and he's they're like well we can't do this i will pay triple and if you don't do this i will call your competition and this needs to be done right now it needs to be done right now and yeah it was and he says but the decisive difference is i wouldn't just kill for kiri i would give my life hell i'd even let her take it i'm like so it was really nice to see the humanity portion of him even though he is a serial killer and a psychopath and shouldn't have all these feelings.
0: I'll take it. When work resumes the next day on Monday, Dr. Cannon comes with an offer to Jack. His offer is to give Jack what he has been wanting for so long. And Dr. Cannon is willing to not renew Kyrie's contract in exchange for Jack being the chair of the STEM initiative because they are taking so many hits to their department with all of this stuff going on that they're having issues with donors and stuff. And he really needs Jack to lead up this stuff going on. And he's willing to, (laughs) yeah, but he's willing to sacrifice Kiri, which is saying a lot uh, Mm -hmm. in terms to attempt to save his department. Yeah, because Jack's kind of
1: made it. Uh, very clear from the very very beginning that he wanted her gone and he has been doing everything possible and i think in dr cannon's mind jack is such a big presence and such a esteemed doctor it's basically person jack's this department yeah basically yeah that if he is willing to do this for jack maybe jack would do this thing for them just to kind of save face a bit so i mean yeah it does kind of suck that cannon was willing to literally throw her under the fucking bus but I could see why he was planning on doing it.
0: Mm -hmm. So Jack volunteers to be the one to go uh, convince her to be on the initiative as long as she's there. And uh, yeah, none of that happens. He just goes and is very inappropriate with her at work while she's on a donor call. And um, this man is under her desk, fabulously being fabulous, (laughs) then tells her that she's going to be doing the STEM initiative with him but as a reward for all her awesome behavior he gives her the recording and deletes it. Um, so there's that. It's like his like little goodwill. Mm-hmm. But in all of this he also
1: steals her pennies. He's well that too.
0: <laughs> but in all of this he has been missing this terribly it has become a huge part of his whole life. That was his triggering sound effect from when he, his first kill with his father, he's been carrying around. It's been this weight in his pocket his whole life. And she took it from him and she's been holding on to it. And while he's doing that and he had taken her skirt off, he took his lighter back. So now she's missing that weight. Too funny. But his PI gets back to him about Agent Hayes. Oh my God. We learn out that Agent Hayes isn't Agent Hayes. He was let go from the FBI five years ago because of his obsession
1: with the stalker, with the
0: silent slayer. Yeah, (laughs) and now he's just a a PI going rogue.
1: He, which makes him even more dangerous. That he is gone rogue, and it gets worse. I didn't like Hayes to begin with, and then he just continuously. More and more unhinged, and not so. In like Jack the is kind way. of really
0: concerned at this point, yeah. and basically is. Curious, need to live need to stay me. with me. And she I'm goes. Concerned. I have a dog, and he goes.
1: Yeah, I know, <laughs> but I have a dog,
0: and she kind of is a little overwhelmed by his offer. And when he takes a work call, she looks for more alcohol and finds um, a letter from Canada about him trying to get citizenship and whatnot, which gets her all spiraled more. But then she sees the carpet people leaving and realizes that
1: he's replaced his carpets for her. Because when she was, sorry, because when she originally first walked into his house, she goes, There's a distinct smell in here, and I can't pinpoint what the smell is. Like, what is going on? And then when she sees that, she kind of like clicks in her head. She goes, Oh, it's like the smell of new carpet and new furniture, which is still wild.
0: And she's kind of exploring more of his house because he said, make yourself at home. And she walks into his sunroom that he has kind of made into this like little greenhouse. And it is filled to the brim of varying blue shades of flowers, all very similar in shades to her eyes.
1: Cuter and cuter every time. And she just
0: kind of realizes in that moment that she is falling for this man. And there he is pleading with her to stay with him and basically confirming that he's been growing these flowers to breed just for the color of her eyes. And she's like, well, I need to see all of your house before I agree to stay. And he knows what that means. So he shows her his trophy room and his cold room. And then she gives him what she thinks is his ultimate fantasy and injects herself to knock herself out so that she becomes a living, almost dead body for him, a living doll for him to move in whatever way
1: he wants. I mean, she kind of knows that's what he wants anyway. So she's, Mm -hmm. it's, I think this didn't bother me as much as I've seen it in other books. I don't think
0: it should bother
1: well, no, because I have a weird thing with being asleep and doing all the things. Well, so she was a little, permission. Well, that's the thing is this is a little different than just like finding a sleeping person and doing it. It just it's that whole CNC
0: thing. It's if but if you know I what just, want. I want. For know. me,
1: I enjoyed the fact that she was like, I'm doing this for you and then literally injected herself. And I was like, OK, I can. It's fine. He has a grand old time and she's asleep.
0: <laughs> i mean when she's coming out of it she has
1: a grand oh, old yeah, time. oh yeah she's coming out of it and he's in her ass so.
0: well she's happy about that i know she so is. then they spend a week of happiness doing all the things and she's staying at his house for a week and they are coming and going to work together having a grand old time at home together blast. they're having
1: a good time having a blasty blast
0: hayes visits kiri's class because he can't visit her house anymore while she's lecturing. And he's very clear this time in his implications that when he's talking to her, that he thinks that Jack is the silent slayer and that she needs to separate herself from him. And he thinks that Jack has just become obsessed with her. And she realizes that she kind of needs to protect Jack from Hayes, a little bit, even though Jack is there just in time and pulls her away and kind of gets all tough guy like this mug girl back the fuck away and does his job. But the wheels are spinning for her. And uh, after they go to sleep that night, she leaves Jack sleeping, writes out a letter and a note for Jack. And she leaves Jack a note with another three-word phrase on a location for him to find. So when Jack follows that three-word location, Jack is left with a present. What is that present, you ask? Oh, it's Colby. Just the victim that's been sitting in her basement for a while, living off of military rations.
1: He also is so impressed with her basement. Oh, Yeah. Because she's basically like, she basically put this gigantic, okay, so here's what I pictured when he was describing it, because it's like this glass or whatever. Did you ever watch the show You?
0: Mm, It's on my watch list, I just haven't.
1: It reminds me of the plexiglass room that he has in his basement. That's literally exactly what it looked like in my brain hole.
0: Anyways, so it's time to go a hunting. She presses that magic button that she has installed to set the doors open to let Colby free. But don't worry, they're lying in wait. And she's got her arrows. She tries to give it to Jack because this is his present after all. But he goes, it will be way more pleasant for me to watch you do it. So she does. It's glorious. She even shoots him in the asshole. I know. They they get a good (laughs) kick out of that.
1: That was so fucking funny
0: just sitting here laughing about them killing a man great times listen um,
1: the fact that she <clears> shot him <throat> in the ass because then she makes a comment she goes huh you should have seen the the shot i did when i shot someone through the dick in the balls once <laughs> like,
0: yeah. they, were, they were both pretty impressed by her
1: <laughs> yeah she's got some good aim man good
0: aim so they take care of colby he's donezo, and she leaves jack on cleanup duty she says she has a meeting with dr cannon she cannot reschedule And she's got to go. He was like, great, because she had everything all set up for him so that he could flay Kobe to his heart's content and use her room. And she goes back to Jack's house and sets up her emails on her work computer so that They will time every so often to send emails to people so it looks like she's working from home Mm -hmm. and she sets her mouse up so that it's moving and doing things regularly and she goes to go after Hayes. However, she doesn't get that far. No. Uh. She gets tased in the back and chloroformed to the face and then Jack is having a grand old time checking out Kiri's
1: kill room he was setting alarms and stuff and just making sure that he in contact her so he has his phone and everything but this was when he discovers the glass cage basement and he goes it's just it's so remarkable
0: so in the kill room he notices that there's a letter left for him Mm -hmm. and the letter says dear Jack everything here is all I have of you I thought it would hurt to give these things away from the moment we first met in my home. I've clung to every piece of you I could find. I know you don't think that you saved me that day. Maybe you're right, but not in the way you think. You gave me the chance to save myself, whether you knew it or not. Jack, you became the scaffolding I rebuilt my life on. And so basically... She's saying, I built up the image of an angel of vengeance who swept into my life on a cold wind in my darkest hour. I wanted to destroy the man I met after years of watching from the shadows. And I love the man I've come to know in the process of trying to burn you down. I love you, Jack Sorensen. You're the only man I've ever loved. The only man I will. And he sees the items that she left. And it was all kinds of remnants of her stalking him articles of magazines and journal publications, press releases, little tokens, receipts, sticky notes, a pen he once used, a syllabus from like one of his lectures and stuff, all kinds of things. And that receipt that he had dropped that day, in addition to the other half of Mason's body and he said, it's like one of those friendship hearts broken into our heart is a dead body and she's giving me her severed half. She just sacrificed her leverage. And he decides, which is big for him, not to finish taking care of Colby's body just yet. He needs to go talk to her about this letter. It's so important. So he heads to the university. And surprise, she's not at the university. Dr. Cannon said she postponed the Meeting that they had because it wasn't that big of a deal. You know, she kind of chalked it up to be one, but it wasn't. And she said she was working from home. In fact, he just got an email from her like 15 minutes ago. Fabulous. So after he leaves the university, he goes to the house to try to find her. It's his last ditch effort to see if she's home because he has this feeling that she might have gone after Hayes without him. And he arrives there he finds her computer set up on automatic and that's when the realization sinks in and he is not happy he realizes that she's gone after Hayes so he goes straight to where Hayes has been staying and his car is not there he breaks into the motel but Hayes's computer's there and he can see all kinds of stuff and see that the obsession with curie and so much has just gone full-blown overlord but he can also see that
1: was recently second. did you just say full-blown overlord it's probably <laughs> i'm sorry I i'm just like no. hold hold on on s- s- overboard over there we go like, I'm like did you just overboard. say
0: over <laughs> full-blown overboard
1: I'm and like overlord
0: better. <laughs> take me to your leader. So he finds that he recently purchased Carrie's childhood home that her parents were murdered in, that she was almost murdered in. Because he's a fucking like, psycho. Like, what a fucking psycho. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I wrote. Word for word, fucking psycho. He is like, that's where I'm going. No gun, no knife, no ligature, no physical weapons. We don't need them. We are the weapons. And he calls and attempts to report Kiri is missing just to have as a backup plan. Yeah. Because of this unhinged fuckwad. And then he goes to do battle. Because he still thinks that Kiri has had the upper hand here. He does not realize what has actually happened.
1: Well, yeah, because he also, during all of the going through all of his stuff and everything he realizes that kiri thought that she was protecting him from Hayes because Hayes has been trying to connect him to the silent sailor so basically in the event she didn't succeed she was saying her goodbye just in case mm-hmm. but he doesn't realize that she's in trouble she's in danger
0: that it's not her who has kidnapped Hayes, but Hayes it has was kidnapped here yeah, exactly and right. Hayes is using kiri as bait yeah um, this is he, he is has, so
1: wild this man yeah he this through isn't all even tiny man feelings being hurt this is just pure unhinged stupidity
0: through all his obsession with the silent slayer and whatnot and his obsession with kiri the lone survivor he found somewhere in the grainy footage that one time jack and the silent slayer we in the bar at the same time on the same day. And so now Jack happens to be in Kiri's life. So that means that Jack <laughs> must have been the one to kill the silent slayer. And Jack is the Tri-City Phantom. That is, I mean, he's not wrong.
1: But oh, that God, was not his wrong, connection. Holy shit. <laughs> it's just so funny because this man is very clearly smart. And he knows what it he's is talking a house about. Of cards built on but sand, baby. She <laughs> went way overboard to fe- to literally kidnapping a victim of a crime
0: and putting her in that same yeah scene. Again. I just she's it's
1: so funny. She goes, "You fucking tased me and drugged me." He's like, "I'm so sorry, Isabel," because he keeps calling her Isabel, and she's like, "Stop fucking calling me that." But she's like, you are not nearly fucking sorry enough. He goes, I know this seems excessive. I'm like, really? Seems excessive? Bitch, this is excessive. He goes, but it's for your own safety and that of many others. And she goes, I don't feel safe at all right now. What the
0: fuck? So she's like, he's not coming. You're going to be wrong. But that's it. Well, Jack arrives, walks to the door and Hayes tases him. So, because Jack did not walk into that situation knowing that Hayes is going to have the upper hand. He walked in all gung-ho thinking Kiri was going to have them all strung up or something. Continue to do. I'm going to go scold Kiri for being a little naughty going off by herself. I'm going to go. No. So he gets hazed and taken down. So Kiri has to use her wiles a little bit and tricks him. Oh, my goodness. You were right. It was, Jack, the whole
1: time. How did I not see that? Oh, please, thank please you. help me undo me. Yeah. And she's like, "Can you just please?" And, and so then, she but then, this is when it go. goes. But then, this is when she goes. Daddy used to have a saying. He said that hunting isn't a sport because in a sport, both players should know they're in the game, which brings it back to the beginning. And <laughs> and bam, she headbutts him. Blood galore.
0: And the fighting breaks out. She's fighting with him, and they're all fighting, and they go for the gun, and then it goes, shoo, and, and the knife goes, shoo, but then Hayes gets a hold of the gun and goes, bang, right as she goes, stab, and Hayes is down, and happy days, except not really, because that bang, here—he was shot. And she is bleeding out and she can't breathe and it's going fast and it's not good. And Jack's thought victory was not lived very long. And now he's watching everything just leave before his eyes and he is panicking and panicking. He's calling 911 for an ambulance. He's panicking. And then he's trying to cover the tracks too and bring her out in the lawn. And then he sets Hayes' body on fire and, throws his light with gasoline and then before
1: he sets the body on fire he does shoot him so it looks like he committed suicide
0: right but he and he throws his special lighter into the thing to set the blaze bye-bye special lighter and he runs out to be with kiri for the ambulance and the ambulance comes And she flatlines, and they think that it's not good. They think she's not going to make it because they're so far away from the hospital. And this man starts doing CPR on her
1: ambulance.
0: And he's breaking her ribs, and it's not good. And then finally, the steady beat of her heart appears on the screen, and mine beats for the first fucking time. Oh, my God. Anywho, then one week later, the setup for Hayes to take the fall for it all goes well and she's in the hospital which is not a great place for her but she's recovering from all of that and he has some responses to her letter first of all he already has a job interview set up for her in Alberta thank you very much he planned to take her with him but if she does not want to follow him he will stay for her and thank you fucking very much
1: I loved, there was the one line that he did and I highlighted it. And he says, in the end, I can't steal you. I can't force you to go with me because I can't take your choice away, Kiri. You've already had too many things taken away from you and I can't be responsible for taking anymore. And I was like, (laughs) And then there is an epilogue
0: and it is three years later. And it comes full fucking circle, baby, because it is Jack, her hubby Jack. Presenting her, (laughs) Dr. Kylie Roth, with the annual Educator of the Year Award. And they are still hunting together and having a grand old time and doing their thing. And there is a bonus scene. It's a deleted scene. It's from when her stitches come out. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it totally reads like a deleted scene because I feel like there were a lot of things that were mentioned throughout the book that referenced things like from that scene or whatever not mm-hmm. a lot but like where so that scene kind of maybe should have been included
1: possibly i yeah, think probably had to cut it for a specific reason
0: yeah you know editing yeah. not everything needs to be put in no. all that jazz i enjoyed this book
1: yeah it was a really good book i like, liked it a grand lot Grand old time yeah it was great grand old time who's your favorite character literally the two main characters of this book jack and carrie loved them both yeah Love yeah them. I loved yeah. their dynamic. I loved their back and forth with each other. I enjoyed hearing about their backstory and their history and all this other stuff. And the way that they, like, interacted with each other on page was really good. I enjoyed them a lot.
0: I, I agree. Kiri was unhinged and fucking <laughs> fabulous. And I loved her. She was my favorite probably for the first half of the book. And Jack coming Jack into, into in with his obsession stuff, with her... But- Was probably yeah yeah my second the fact that he
1: made second half flowers the color of her irises. Who was your least favorite character? So I think the obvious answer
0: would be Hayes because he was such a fucking psycho. But I also thought that Brad was a dumb character just because he was just such a weak fucking.
1: He's a weak man. man.
0: <laughs> I don't have time for weak fucking men. Okay.
1: Mine was The Obvious Haze because he was super fucking unhinged and wild. And then I really, okay, hear me out.
0: Honestly, I don't think this book had a lot of characters.
1: Not really, no. Dr. Cannon I wasn't a big fan of. And the only reason <laughs> being, okay, because he was so willing to grow this person out understand he was doing it to save the thing, but be like, well, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> I know you do a lot of good work, and I know that you've expanded our body farm so much, and I know you've done all this work, but you know what? I want him to stay, so bye. Especially since she was the main fundraiser, it just it was kind of weird
0: and almost didn't make sense.
1: Like I said. Whatever. So Amazon gives us a 4.4, 4 and Goodreads gives it a 4.0. What about you? 4.75. I really loved this book a lot. I did too. I rated
0: it a 4.5. The only reason it wasn't a little bit higher for me because I truly, genuinely loved this book was because I felt that there could have been so much more potential in the smutty scenes. See, I really enjoyed I they're Not that they were bad. I'm not saying they're bad. But... It was in the first-person point of view, but it was almost written as if it was in the third-person point of view, the way that it was written.
1: I didn't feel that way, but again, we also interpret scenes very differently, so. That being said,
0: the last Trisha Wolf book I read, I didn't feel like those smutty scenes were like, oh my goodness, these are the best smutty scenes I've ever read. I felt like they were definitely better than these, and- I was like, I wonder if that was the problem of writing with a co-writer, like two people trying to write one. I don't know how that works. I don't know if this read very like Bryn Weaver. I don't know because her books are on my list, but I haven't fully read hers yet. But with all the potential that these scenes had, and when that, when all those piercings came out, I was like, this is going to be fucking fabulous. And I just, I felt like maybe even I hyped up in my head. That's probably that what it is
1: because honestly, you do and that sometimes. it just
0: didn't, it didn't hit that level. When I'm reading a smutty scene, I want it to suck me in. I want it to be a scene Literally. that makes me want to reread it on my own because <laughs> I want to. I to want to like it. this scene. Yeah, this is not that kind of scene for me.
1: This is not a one-handed scene for Ariel,
0: especially coming off of Ghost where we were like, dude, I want this scene to go longer. This was not that, no, thank you. Again, they were not bad. I loved this freaking book. The story was great. The characters were great. I think that was the only piece missing for me a little bit.
1: How about your cucumber rating now that we're discussing it?
0: So we had some good stuff. We had some piercings. We had some serial killers rolling in blood. We had some somnophilia. We had little a little bit lot. of that CNC action. There was some stuff. So that automatically, for me, raises up that level. Again, I'm gonna I don't she's feel gonna like give it a six. I don't think they were written in a way that really sucked you in. So for me, it
1: hits at a six or seven for me. Hold it. I'm giving <sighs> it a seven or an eight. For me, it sucked me in and I got sucked into them. And again, it's all in how, yeah, it's all in how everyone interprets different scenes, obviously Mm -hmm. differently, even though the rolling in blood thing, I think the only part of that scene that really got me was the licking of the blood off of her finger. Not a thing. I'm good with that. Blood is very metallic tasting. It does not taste great. So I guess if you have a taste for it, then fine. But, and especially it being another person's blood, I think it was a little... I feel like if there were more scenes in the book, it would have been probably a
0: seven or eight, just because yeah. of the amount of, like, different types of things there were.
1: Got you. Yeah. Overall, I really did enjoy it. They really did suck me in. I thought that they were well-written. I got super sucked into it, and that's why I give it a seven or an eight. And I can understand where she gets it a little bit lower, because she's a little bit more picky. About the smut scenes. But again, it, it all comes down to how you as a reader and me as a reader interpret different scenes completely differently. We need to wheel of fade it and spin, spin it. Oh, that was
0: awful. Our... Spin the wheel
1: <laughs> for our first wheel of November. Yeah. So, yeah. Double wheel stuffed of... November. No. Listen, I'm telling <laughs> you right now. So, we <clears throat> had the conversation where our specials is we're bringing you Double Stuffed November. Why? Because we can. (laughs) Why? Because she's dead. Oh. So to start off November, we're going to spin our wheel. Um, Our specials throughout November will consist of being double stuffed. That is the whole point of double stuffed November. The rest of our... Double stuffed, meaning MMF. Shh. Yes. Enjoy. Why are you saying shh? Is this a secret? Are we keeping secrets?
0: No. It was just more theatrical.
1: So, we are going to spin the Wheel of Fate. First book of November.
0: What do we got? We have... Is this the snake one? Yeah, it is. This is the one where I was like, hey, do you like snakes? The book is Viper by Naomi Lucas. It is part of the Naga Brides series. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy, this cover is a little intense here. Because it almost looks like his scales are like peeling off of him. It's kind of almost scary. All right, please ignore that. No. Long have we been alone without brides, without females to warm us during the long nights, without sweet mates. But but we see them (laughs) from afar, brides that could be ours, kept away from us by walls and weapons. Females we long for greatly, obsessively, human females. (laughs) And the one with the red hair, I want her. I saw her first. I will fight to the death for her, she is mine. So we'll come together and make an exchange with their men that will benefit us all. After that, to the winner gets the spoils. Let the hunt begin, but the redheaded female is mine viper is the first book in the series of bride hunting aliens (laughs) with the charm of a snake and the wiles of a devil these males will do anything and i mean anything for their female so these are snake aliens i'm so excited (laughs) we've been on such a a
1: cool little alien
0: vibe sure look at the three slotted picture from amazon Oh my fucking fuck. Join us next week yeah. for yeah. Snake Aliens because this is going to be epic.
1: I'm and so read Viper snake.
0: along with us.
1: Snake Aliens. And we're bringing in Double Stuff November with an alien.
0: Yay. I wonder if he'll double stuff.
1: Oh, is he going to use his tail for things?
0: I want to know better. where his penis is. I will is. be, I just want to announce this now if he does not utilize his tail fabulously, I will be disappointed. I just want that known <laughs> right now. I just want that known. What? Just want that known. So,
1: right, make me look at the keep screen reading, screen. reading everyone. Yes. I'm so
0: Read along with us. Keep reading and uh, keep it smutty.